Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The podcast with Dan Bardell and Greg Evans. Hello, welcome back to the 1874 podcast with myself, Dan Bardell, and the Athletics' Greg Evans. This show is sponsored by NordVPN, and you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to 1874.io slash NordVPN. If you do that, you'll get a huge discount off Nord's plan, and you'll also get four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and we'll hear a little bit more about NordVPN later on in the show. After a week's hiatus on the 1874 podcast, obviously we've been doing other shows, but the 1874 podcast with myself and Greg has been on hiatus because, Greg, you are now a father. So I'm sure everyone will wish you a, a massive congratulations. I, I know I do. And how are you finding fatherhood so far? Yeah, morning, Dan, and thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's been a pretty hectic couple of weeks. Uh, nice to have some proper time off with the little one. Um and get used to fatherhood. Yeah, yeah, no, brilliant, wonderful. Can't, can't, can't complain at all. All happy times and lasting memories, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, all good, mate. Thank you. So appreciate it. And you'll be getting him down the golf course as soon as possible, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been looking at golf outfits already, trying to match up with Daddy. So uh, let's see. Excellent, excellent stuff. I mean, is he going to be like you know how people say like Project Mbappe when they when they have a child? Is yours going to be like Project Mbappe or will it be like Project Tiger Woods? That my golf knowledge is so limited that that was the only golf I could think of. No, no, we won't be pushing him into anything. We'll let him in, have his own life and make his own decisions, um, and we'll give him all the love and support that he needs. It's as simple as that. You're so media trained with an with an with an answer like that. What do you mean? It's just so media trained. How is it? You know, people say footballers are doing media trained. No, you you definitely do media trained with it with it with an answer like that. I oh, know absolutely. You'll be pushing him on the golf course as soon as possible. Let's talk about Aston Villa Football Club then, Greg. Decent point at the, the weekend. I think the fact that 
you know, Villa missed a couple of good chances in stoppage time. Probably takes the shine off it a little bit. But I was just saying to you before we came on, overall, I think considering the injuries, getting used to playing in Europe and getting mm. pumped on the first day by Newcastle as well. Villa star has been absolutely magnificent. To, to be fifth at this point of the season, I think it just shows again what a great manager Villa have. Yeah, 100%. We say week on week, don't we, how impressive Emery is and, and how good you know, Villa are becoming now as a team. I think it's been a brilliant start to the season. And, you know, I, I said that sort of a couple of weeks in. I, I wasn't too concerned about the first, uh, the, first, the opening day defeat at Newcastle. Yeah, it was, you know, humiliating the manner of it. But I didn't think it would have a lasting impact on the season or certainly not define the, the season. Um, and Villa have bounced back since. And look, you know, they're four points off the top of the league after eight after eight games currently sitting in fifth position they've won five games and drawn one out of eight so it's a really positive start and um you know they they've actually got underway in in the Europa Conference League as well now and and heading into that really important double header with AZ Alkmaar um in pretty good in pretty good shape I think and you know I'm 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 back in Villa to go on and uh, and have a better season than they did last season now pretty confident with that so I've watched a lot of Manchester United. I've watched a lot of Chelsea so far this season. I know it's early days, in particular for, for Chelsea, not quite clicking. But I think when you watch them and the you know the jobs their managers have had to come in and do, I kind of feel like with Villa have got such a good manager that actually if Ernie Emery went into either of those clubs because of the way he picked Villa, up, I actually think he'd do a better job than Ten Hag or Pochettino are, are, are doing at Chelsea. I just think he's such a high, high level manager, and with every passing week, I start to think. Other than Pep, is there a is there a better manager in the in the Premier League? And you know, I'm sure if you gave Ernie Emery Pep's resources, he'd be pretty good. <laughs> um, I mean, he had a lot of resources at PSG, didn't he? And wasn't fully able to to sort of secure what PSG wanted. But um, you know, in fairness, no manager has since either. So, uh, but yeah, I, I take your point. I I think he's a you know an elite level coach. I've, I've said that sort of. With, from within a couple of months uh, of him joining Villa and speaking to people who've worked with him and, you know, been around football for a long time. Obviously, you know, us from the outside looking in, we can have our own opinions, but it's when you sort of speak to people that have been in the game for a long time, have played under different managers, have worked under different managers, have seen, um, you know, their methods of, um, uh, you know, preparation. And then you get to realise just how intense he is and, and, and how actually genuinely good at his job he is. Um but another thing, you know, he has got a very, very strong support network alongside him. And, you know, I've said this on previous podcasts. I do feel that although Villa are in a bad place uh, in terms of their results, I think the, the structures that they had at the club when Emery arrived were, were really strong. Um, and if you look at Manchester United and Chelsea, for example, mm. two of them are in a bit of a, a bit of a mess, really. You know, like, I mean, Chelsea... It's a complete transition for them. You know, they've moved on from the Roman Abramovich era and um, and are now under new owners who, um, you know, ha- have been very controversial in, in the way that they're sort of shaping the squad and, uh, and are changing things at Chelsea. It feels like, you know, I mean, for example, Graham Potter was not a bad manager, but he's walked into a bit of a mess at the club and, and has had to, um, you know, react in that way. Manchester United have got sort of internal problems as well. I mean, you just feel so, I do feel really sorry for Ten Hag in a way because he's had so much to deal with with you know Ronaldo, Anthony, Mason Greenwood, lots of other problems at the club as well. You know the Harry Maguire situation. Um, whereas at Villa, you know they 
they've been quite a stable club for for a couple of seasons now and and are moving on in the right directions and that's because of you know real solid leadership right from the top in in the Seafs and Wes Edens um you know they set really high standards hired good people um and that helped you know the only thing really that was missing was just that elite level coach to bring it all together um and you know pretty much that's what we're seeing now uh, it just feels like it's not like Villa is a good fit for Emery because you know, he's done it at a lot of other clubs before. He was a little bit unfortunate at Arsenal. He moved in at the, you know, perhaps the wrong time coming in to replace Arsene Wenger. Um, and, uh, and you know, at PSG, it didn't quite go to plan because he didn't deliver the European success. And, uh, you know, and he, and, he, and he won one title out of the two seasons rather than two, which he really should be doing at PSG. Um, but look at, the, look at the success he had at, you know, Valencia making them you know, the third best team in Spain behind Barcelona and Real Madrid, who were managed by Mourinho and Guardiola at the time. And then what he did at Sevilla, the way he turned Villarreal around. And I'm confident, you know, he's going to take Villa on up as well. Yeah, I get. I know managers need time. I, I don't think you ever should be sacking a manager in season one, really, unless it's a, an absolute disaster. But you look at Spurs as well. Postecoglou's come in. If you if you get the hire right and pick the the right manager, they can come in and, and transform the side. Because Spurs yeah. as well were, were going nowhere, and now they're they're top of the league. And he just kind of gets the culture, gets what the club's about. And you, I feel the same with with Emre. He just gets Villa, and he. You know, I've always thought. Villa needs someone who knows about the club. They should hire hire a manager who's got some kind of affiliation, some history with the club. Has mm. perhaps played with them. Always felt Villa were better. You know, when John Gregory was manager, Brian Little was manager. But Unai Emery's proven that actually you don't need to have had anything to do with Villa before to be yeah. the right fit and, and be the right manager. And standards are so high now that I, I you know, I was in the away end at, at the weekend. You're almost there expecting to win, and when Villa don't win, it almost feels alien to you because we've picked up so many wins under this coach. Yeah, and look, you know, that's the that's the new challenge really now at Villa is managing those expectations because fans do believe now they go into every game almost expecting not only a performance but a result. And and when those inevitably don't come, there are going to be questions as to why it didn't go, why it didn't work out, why why the wins wasn't why the win wasn't secured, etc. Um and look, Villa have got a lot of games this season. There was a there was a real backlash actually that I'd noticed after the um, after the Carabao Cup defeat to to Everton, and you know, Villa are going to lose games this season. It's just important that they don't lose the ones that really matter. If that if that kind of makes sense, um, uh, and I think on the back of you know looking two weeks on from from that defeat to Everton, now they're in a they're, they're in a much better position, fifth in the table. You know they're up underway in the Europa Conference League. Um, and that Everton game's almost forgotten about a bit now, isn't it? But I do yeah. understand the I do understand the the frustration because Villa fans of a certain age, you know, under the age of what thirty, under if you're under the age of thirty, you've never seen Villa win anything, have you, sir? No. Um, you know, supporters want to see that, but I, I had a little look actually just to see how many other clubs had won um, had won a trophy since Villa last won one, and I mean, you know, you've got the the typical, the the, the the so-called big six, they've all won one except for, um, except Tottenham. for Tottenham, you know. And then I think there was only about eight other clubs that actually won something. I know, and, but some of the teams on that list, it's like Middlesbrough. Yeah, Wigan, yeah. I mean Middlesbrough, Wigan, Birmingham City. You know, uh, you, you, if you're a Villa fan, you kind of expect to be among that group, don't you? And that's what's the most frustrating. But 
you know, it's really, really difficult to to, to win something. You know, Villa have been there in finals and just not quite delivered on the day. But um, yeah, I just think going out of the Carabao Cup early wasn't the worst thing and it was maybe a little bit of an overreaction at the I think because they went on to beat Brighton 6-1 a few days <laughs> after that game, that, that's obviously helped. But football's all about recency bias. And, you know, if you win the next game, everything is, is forgotten. People only ever really remember the last result. But I think Villa 10 points from 12 from the, from the last four games, like I say, off, underway now in, in the Europa Conference League. It's, it's been a really good time. And if you look at the fixtures to come as well, like... Every game's hard, but mm. I look at those, especially at Huddin in the next one at home. West Ham are really flying under the radar this season. They're starting to come a little bit over the radar now, if that if that's a sign. I think they've had a great start to the season and they're a, a team that Villa find it difficult to play against normally. But then so, so are Wolves. You know, Villa go to Molyneux and lose normally. So on the face of it, a 1-1's not a bad result. But at home, I'd, re- I'd really back Villa to beat anyone. They're 10 in a row yeah. in, the, in the Premier League at home, which is absolutely f- f- phenomenal. So I look at the next few games coming up and think, no reason why we can't stay unbeaten and get a little bit of a, a run going. But it's a magnificent start of the season. To, to be sat fifth at this stage going into the second international break, I'm absolutely delighted with that. You know, was it like a few days ago? It was a year since Villa drew 1-1 at Forest on Monday Night Football. I remember watching oh, that, that game was thinking... bad one, wasn't it? Yeah. That is, we are terrible. We are going nowhere. If you'd have told me a year later, we're in Europe, we're fifth in the Premier League, we've got a world-class manager. Sometimes you've just got to sit back and think, Wow, we are in mm. a, a very good place. The main topic we want to focus on this week is Johan Langer, Greg. Off to Tottenham Hotspur. I think he's been hired as a technical director there. I've got to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what his actual job title is at Villa at the moment. But am I, am I right <clears> in thinking <throat> that it was inevitable he was going to leave? Because although he took up a new role within the, the V Sports group, he did feel like he'd been squeezed out a little bit with Monchi's arrival. Yeah, and I, and I think he kind of expected it as well. You know, as soon as Emery arrived, um, the, the the owners promised him, promised promised Emery, you know, the keys to the castle, and that included the the opportunity to for for Emery to bring in his own sporting director. Um, you know, we we knew that Langer was the sporting director for for three years. He was very highly regarded by the owners, and that's one of the reasons why he stayed on when Monchi came. Um, obviously, Emery wanted to to bring in. Um, Matteo Alemane from from Barcelona. That was his first choice. Villa weren't able to get that deal done, so they moved on to Monchi. And it was it was something that the that the people behind the scenes at Villa were all, always expecting because they knew Emery was going to bring in his own man. So for for Langer, um, his role changed slightly. Yeah, he was a sporting director for three seasons, um, but was was moved into like a a role sort of overseeing youth development and international academies. Um, a very long-winded title, and yeah, lots of people were were saying to me that you know, very, very highly regarded at the club. He'd done an excellent job. If a if an an opportunity came for him to move on, then they expected him to to take that. Um, and I think it was quite similar in a way to to Christian Perslow. You know, Perslow was also offered the opportunity to stay at Villa. Oh, was it? I didn't know in that. a slightly diminished role, um, and he didn't really fancy it, so he immediately left. You know, he wanted to be that all. In, he wanted to have that all-encompassing role that he'd had previously. Um, Langer was, you know, happy to sort of stay on board and and see what happened. And 
yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity for him to go to it Tottenham really because it feels like Tottenham are building a you know really exciting project that they're 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 finally you know hiring good people. They've got you know an excellent manager in there. Um, I said to you, Dan, in the week, didn't I? You know, they've they've hired three of the nicest guys in football in Postecoglou, James Madison, and 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 now Johan Langer. So he's not put, um, he's not put Yedinak in there. <laughs> yeah, make that, yeah, do that. Yeah, still, sc- still scared of him. <laughs> still scared after our podcast, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look, you know, on a on a, on a serious note, uh, yeah, Dinaki is a top guy, but um, you wouldn't sort of class him as the one of the nice guys of football. He's got a bit of a I'm mean still, streak. Too. I'm still frightened of him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, really interesting to see what the what the project, uh, you know, how the project evolves at Tottenham. I think Langer will go in there and. Um, you know he's going to do a good job because look at what he did at Villa. You know Villa were Villa are unrecognisable now compared to when he arrived in um, the summer of 2020 to to replace Jesus Garcia Patash, also known as uh, Suso, as you as you remember. Um, you know the owners wanted at that point to professionalise a few of the departments at the club um, and just modernise it and. You know, just re, you know, build the infrastructure because if you remember, Villa were were a club trying to re-establish themselves as a as a Premier League sort of force again, not just in terms of results, but in terms of you know infrastructure at the club. They had there been a lot of mismanagement, hadn't there, for years? If you think back to the a couple of years before the the relegation, and then the three years in the Championship, Villa were always falling behind in the Championship <clears throat> and needed to get back into the Premier League quickly to to help rebuild. Um, and Langer came in with, uh, you know, this. He had a brief, really, to 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 create a to help build a squad that would help get Villa pushing for the top ten within three seasons. And to be fair to him, he did that. Look, you know, Villa missed out under Gerard, but then they got there under Emery. Um, and there are a lot of good things that that we, you know that he's done. I, I don't know where you want me to start. I think that if we go through some of the sort of maybe non-sexy stuff that maybe. Listeners aren't fully aware of, well, this but, is actually what but I understand to how important you know. You've got to understand how important some of the behind-the-scenes stuff is. I mean, we can, we can get onto perhaps signings because um, you know a bit later because that's the thing that people will remember. You know, sporting directors and chief executives and managers and recruitment people for who did he sign? Who were good? Who were crap? Let's go from there. But you can't judge a, you can't no. judge people on that fully. So if you want me to go through some of the things that you help rebuild at Body More Heath, I'm, you know, I'm happy to do that and we can move on to signings then. I do want you to do that because I was going to say to you, it's, I mean, first off, it's you know, a great move for him going to Spurs. He's obviously got something if Spurs have come in and identified him and, and picked him up. Again, it, that it shows how quickly things can change in football because everyone's talking about Spurs being an absolute mess. Suddenly they've got a good manager and now everyone's like, everything's there at Spurs, you know. They've, they've got the right <laughs> well, manager. We, yeah, we yeah, thought but, they were going to struggle, Yeah, and it's the, same with, it's the same with Villa. You know, a year ago, everything was crap. And they get the right manager in, and it feels like every, everything's everything's good because ultimately it is the results on the pitch that matter. And like you say, with the sporting director, they'll ultimately be judged on on the signings. But I think you've touched on some great stuff already on your on your little build up that, that that you've done there. In that, yes, you can judge a sporting director on signings, but he actually will have changed a number of things behind the scenes, which which you're going to come onto that he should be judged on 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 that as well. Because like you said, Villa had lagged behind. I remember in 2017 or 2018, maybe, sitting down with Keith Wyness and 
interviewing him about the Villa engine and he was talking about mm-hmm. Steve Round, who was the director of football at the time. And honestly, I was sat there as someone who was quite naive, quite new to interviewing people and, and being involved in football. I sat there thinking, this is nothing. Like he, he isn't saying anything here. He's talking about his Villa engine, but there's nothing there. Johan Langer has said less. Actually, the proof of what he'll have done behind the scenes at Bodymore and the way Villa operate now with transfers, with loans, with youth recruitment. That's all changed and it'll be down to him. Yeah, he certainly played a, a, big, a big role in it. I think um, in some of the previous guys' uh, defence, almost, I mean, they didn't fully have the backing from the owners. I think we have to go right to the to the top at Villa and, and look at how engaged and how enthusiastic and how willing they are to invest money into the club um, as a starting point. You know, Sawiris and Edens have, have heavily backed Villa. They've been willing to improve all the departments at the club as well as strengthening the squad and trying to take the club forward. So anybody who is in a position of power, you know, i.e. Christian Burslow and Johan Langer and some of the other guys around it, they had that support of, of the guys up above. So that helps, you know, the money's in there, the money's there, the interest is in there, uh, sorry, is there. So some of the ideas that they have, they have that fallback in that helps. But Langer came in and he... he he first one of the early things he looked at was sort of like a rebuilding the data department. I don't think Villa particularly had a, a strong data department at that point. You know, the, they were you know under Suso, there were a lot of signings that were agent led, um, which is fine. You know that that happens in football if there are strong relationships, um, then then you know sporting directors and managers and owners etc turn to agents and agents play a massive part and you know you need them to to be on the side to help get the best players into the club but i think what villa wanted was a bit of a deeper look into signings you know if we're buying a midfielder or if we're buying a winger or a goalkeeper we want the data to back it up as to why we are getting that player and langer hired a guy called frederick leth from um copenhagen who he worked with he came in as the the head of research and that was a new role at villa um, you know, Villa have since strengthened that department. They've brought in data scientists, uh, uh, data en- engineers as well. You know, the, the department is pretty strong. So when players are signed, a lot of research has gone into it. And look, you know, that's not going to that's not going to guarantee that Leon Bailey comes in and he's absolutely brilliant ahead of maybe Wilfred Zaha, who, who Villa were, were offered at the time as well. Um, but what it does is it shows the owners that if they're investing £30 million, all of the research has been done and that they fight, they have all the tools to see that this is the reason why we're going for this player. We've worked really hard on background checks, um, uh, data analysis to show why we think he's going to succeed in the Premier League ahead of uh, player B, C and D, etc. And that's what owners want if they're investing a lot of money. So that was one little area that... Um, that he strengthened at the time and he, and he brought in some good people. Uh, Alex Fraser was the, the chief scout who, who Villa hired from Brighton. Um, and then Rob McKenzie came in from Leicester. Uh, sorry, Rob McKenzie came in on the back of his time at Leicester. You know, he helped put together the 2015 title winning team, bringing in some of the likes of, you know, Kante and, uh, and Mares, players like that. Um, and, and those hires were really strategic. You know, they were, Brighton were were known as a, a club that had, that had recruited very well. Leicester obviously had that background, and Villa wanted to just bring a little bit of all that together. Um, so they were really specific signings. So that that was one area that that um, that Langer worked on. 
if you also remember, they didn't have a loans department back then. You know, there was no loans manager. There was, that, there was no head flash. of emerging talent. The the academy wasn't as um, as strong as as it is now. And if you look at some of the players that Villa have signed between sort of the ages of twelve and seventeen, some of them have already kicked on. Others have the potential to 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 get Villa a fair bit of money back in the future. Um, and in, and another department which I touched on previously in in a in a in a previous podcast was the player care department. So Phil, led by Phil Roscoe previously at Liverpool, I think he's a real unsung hero because Villa have signed a lot of foreign players and the work that he does alongside Sophia and a few of the other staff just helps them settle in. And it's just a really modern looking Bodymore Heath now. You know, the departments are really, really strong. And a lot of that is down to the sporting director, a little bit of Christian Perslow with his influence as well. And obviously the owners for their um, continued investment. Because there's a difference between a sporting director and a director of football. A director of football is purely transfers. And I think yeah. Patrick at Spurs, perhaps, was, I think he was director of football. A sporting director oversees so much of the of the football club. So you can't just judge Langer on transfers. Yes, no. as I've said, you'll look back at transfers and say that was a good one, that was a bad one. But not all transfers are down to Langer as, as well. You know, it's quite clear that some of the signings, and we'll know who they were, were Steven Gerrard-led. Yeah. Others were... Ollie Watkins led. Emmy Martinez, for example, I know Neil Cutler was heavily involved in the in the recruitment of Emmy Martinez, and he was he he was not identifying, but Cutler was pushing for Emmy Martinez. But still, then Langer that has to go in and look at all that stuff, and like you say, use the data to say, mm-hmm. yeah, that that is worthwhile. It's 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 worth us doing that. So actually, you know, I read the Athletic article yesterday. It wasn't wasn't done by you, but I, I read the article about him going to Spurs and looked through the comments afterwards, and it was quite quite a mixed bag, really. Of, some people saying he's done a good job. Some people saying he'd, he'd bought up some some absolute duds. Coutinho was referenced in, in 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 one of the comments, but actually that that's not fair because as his as his role as sporting director or and or te- he's going to technical director, as technical director, yeah, yeah, he has done a lot for Aston Villa, and I don't think I realised that myself until I actually properly thought about it yesterday. Mm. Yeah, and look, you know, we'll move on to <clears throat> we'll move on to signings because I've got some of my own thoughts on that, but. Um... He's probably saved Villa a fair bit of money as well because, you know, from speaking to rep, rep, player representatives and, you know, he, he he always drove a hard bargain and he was responsible sometimes for doing some of the contract extensions and, you know, it wasn't a case of, well, this player wants this amount of money, we're going to give it to him. It, you know, he, they would, he, it would be a real strategic negotiation and, you know, that's a... That's a real skill as well to sort of maintain relationships, but also drive a hard bargain for the club as well. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think you know Villa. I think in the long run, Villa might miss him because he's he's done a good job. He's helped, in short, he's helped build a really um, stable body, more Heath with good departments, and I think he's helped him uh, increase the the value of the squad. And look, you know, that's that's typically what technical and sporting directors are there to do to try and, you know, improve the departments and, and, and make the club better. So I think he's done that. I think he'll be a good appointment for Tottenham. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the, how the Tottenham project evolves, but yeah. Um, should we, should we pick through some of his best and worst signings? Just, maybe? I was just going to say, if he was in any way involved in Douglas Louise signing a new contract a year ago, then, <laughs> they, you know, that's a phenomenal bit of business because there was no yeah. role for Douglas Luiz to sign that contract at the time. He wasn't in the team and Villa were terrible. You know, now he's arguably Villa's best player and he's probably worth somewhere around 
80 to, to 100 million, Douglas Lewis. <laughs> yeah, it's, inc- I, I say, you know, it's, it's incredible. He was involved yeah. in that. He deserves a hell of a lot of credit because <laughs> he must have persuaded him because he can't, Douglas Lewis, there was no right for him to sign a contract at that point. No, I think, I think what we've got to be really careful of, of doing and saying is putting individual players onto individual people because I think it's a very collective thing. As you mentioned earlier, Dan, you know, sometimes a manager wants a player more, sometimes a sporting director wants a player more, sometimes a chief executive even is, is, is pushing for, oh, for, no, for, a, for a, for a player more. But what you, what you will see is that every time a player comes into the club, it's, it's been you know signed off by every single um, important member of staff, shall we say? So it's a collective, um, you know. And and we've dug we've Douglas Louise for you know to 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 answer your question. Villa Villa thought he was going. You know the the Arsenal interest was strengthening, and Villa were trying to say, look, we're not going to let you go. We want to keep you. If you stay with us and stay strong, we will give you a contract extension. Um, you know when the time is right, and as you'll see, it was it was just after the transfer window ended. Um, Christian Perslow pushed very very hard for that and did a lot of the negotiations alongside Joe and Langer. So the two of them worked, you know, in tandem at that. Um, and there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes yeah, that you, not- prob- you probably won't really see. It's just like having little meetings with the players, you know, and, and keep week after week and, and, and then staying in touch with the agents and making sure that they're okay and then trying to fend off other interest and showing him about the project that's that they're continuing to do and players that they want to bring in and what they're expecting for the future. There's just there's so much that goes on. Um, you know, it's not just a case of if you stay we'll give you this, this and this amount. <laughs> Please don't go to Arsenal. Um and look, you know, that's one of the reasons actually why Villa signed Leander Dendonka because they did think that that you know, Louise was going to was going to go um, to Arsenal, but yeah, I'm going to write about him at some point because I think he's a really interesting story, isn't it? The fact that he's came in and you know he's had ups and downs, but he's really now a very very valuable player for Villa. Who, Louise or Dendonka? Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about Dendonka. Sorry, Louise, no. <laughs> for a second, now, I actually quite <laughs> like Dendonka, but if Louise had gone and we'd have replaced him with Dendonka, Villa wouldn't have been as good a football team as, as they no. are now. That simply wouldn't have been a fair, a fair trade. They're good at very different things. And like I say, I actually like that Den Dunker. So I'm going to let's throw some signings around. So in fairness, when Langer arrived, you know, Villa had a really good transfer window. I'm not sure how far mm. some of their moves were in the ocean, <coughs> but that window, you know, Matty Cash, great player for the football club. Ollie Watkins, brilliant player for the football club. Emi Martinez, I think he's the best goalkeeper in, in the world, in, in my opinion. And then Troy Oran Barkley, I think, with, with that window as yeah. well. You know? So that's a that's a, that's an unbelievable <clears throat> first window, but I'm not sure how far in motion the, those moves were at, at that point. So that's a, that's a good one. Sanson? I guess that's one that will get will get thrown at him. I think every every um every sporting director or every director of football they have a pla- one player that they get associated <laughs> with. So with Patage, it probably should be Douglas Louise, but it's Borja Bastard. It's on Borja Bastard from the back of the sofa at the last day of the transfer. Now, who do you think is is Langer's? Langer's bad one. Just the one that. If ultimately, I think everyone gets remembered for one signing. If it would he get remembered, <laughs> who would be the one he gets remembered for? Do you know? uh, oh God! I would it be Samsung? Samsung came up a lot. Probably, in the yeah. Just, probably. Um, yeah I mean, I, I always look at the the two that he you know pushed quite hard for because he he had them at Copenhagen, 
with Robin Olsen and, and Ludwig Augustinsson. So, you know, the, the two of them haven't really, the haven't really worked, um, haven't, haven't, didn't really work for Villa, did they? But yeah, look, I mean, I think there's, you mentioned, let, let's go on to the positives and we'll go yeah. on to the negatives after. But I think, first of all, I think the, the good far outweighs the bad. Um, yeah, definitely. What, what you'll remember is Langer was, well, Suso was relieved of his duty, shall we say, or left um, the, the, day, the day after that West Ham game, wasn't it? Uh, you know, and, and then Langer was appointed the next day, I think, as far as I can remember. It was an so, early appointment. I remember it being an early bit of a... Bit of so, a look, you know, that, that wasn't a negotiation that took place after the London Stadium when all the players were, were celebrating. Um Back in Birmingham, it was you know, clearly something that had been done way in advance. So there was obviously lots of work that had previously been done and, and, and talks and discussions between them. So Villa come in and, and they uh, that next summer was really impressive. They get Martinez, they get Watkins, they get Matty Cash, they get... Um, was it Bertrand Traore as well? That's R.M. Barkley. Yeah, so uh, yeah, three out of those five definitely worked really well. Um, and look, you know, Langer did play a big part. Okay, we, we've spoken to Neil Cutler, both of us previously, and we know the impact that he had on bringing um, Emmy Martinez into the club. But Langer did a lot too. You know, it's really, really, really important to stress that because, um, you know, he's one of Villa's best players, sort of ever, isn't he? Um, brilliant, brilliant acquisition. But what you probably don't know of is, is all the sort of FaceTime calls that they have to do in the background and speaking with the agent and making sure they're all on board. And and yeah, Cutler would have done a fair bit of that too. But Langer as the sporting director also played a major part in that. Um, remember with Matty Cash as well, there was a huge long list of of data that was that was drawn up to show Matty Cash why he would succeed at Villa. Um, now players want to see that. You know, I've, there's two things really that players want. They want to know that they're going to come to a club and play. And they want to know that they're going to get paid pretty way, pretty well. But when they're moving to a club, they also like to, to see the presentation and how much they are wanted and where they're going to fit in. And that's something that I think Villa did very well under Langer. Um, you know, the presentations towards players were really impressive and, and certainly some of the younger players. So it would be a case of, look, you come here, we're going to get you into an international team. We're going to get you playing regularly in the Premier League. And you look through the players that Villa have signed, Martinez, Watkins, um, Cash, Buendia, Kamara, all of those hadn't played for their country before. They've all now playing for their country relatively regularly for um, since since moving to Villa. So that was something that they were very big on behind the scenes. They were creating, um, you know, a project really saying, look, we're we're not quite there yet. We're we're not an elite team. We're not a top six team. We can't go and buy the very very best players yet. But we believe that we can buy players like yourselves who are going to really kick on and be better in the future and come to us and, and let's grow together. I think Villa have done that really quite well. Um, more the, the, the more recent good signings, I think, of Langer were, were Kamara, um, who he worked very, very hard to get, you know, worked his nuts off behind the scenes to to get that one done. Stephen Gerrard actually did the, the, the yeah. final touches to that one. I don't think Kamara would have come if it weren't for Gerrard. I think he was really, no, really excited to to play under Steven Gerrard. So sometimes you just need that extra pull to get a player through the door. Um, and Diego Carlos as well. You know, Villa did a lot of background checks and work on that to, to get him in, you know, early ahead of other clubs that were interested in him in Champions League. And look, we don't really know about John Duran yet, but the, the signs are pretty positive. We think that he's going to go on and be a, 
you know, relatively good player for Villa. And that was, you know, probably Langer's last real move because all of the other signings that have come in since have, have been Emery pushing those through. So those were the good ones. I think if you look you look at the bad ones, Sanson, definitely. Traore, never been convinced with him. I think Villa... I, think, I, that I would put that down as a bad one. He scored some important goals last season that got Villa into Europe, which is extra revenue. And I'd also say his first season, he, probably, he wasn't far off double figures for goals and got about six, six assists. Yeah, it's true. I wouldn't say that point. was a bad one. <clears throat> I wouldn't say, anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, they're, they're, that's a fair comment. I just, I just never really feel like he's... I never really feel like he's fully established himself and kicked on and, and justified the money. Maybe he has justified the money with the with the um, with the amount of goals that he scored. So yeah. I guess you could say was he better he's than the hit and miss that were there previously? In the middle. Yeah. yeah, was he yeah. better than Trezeguet or El Garza? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe this might be a similar level, a similar level of frustration <laughs> with, with, with him. Yeah. I would say Sanson. Look, that was a, a not disaster, but you know, thirteen million at the time was a lot of money. And he, yeah. oh dear, and he did. He, he didn't. He's come in and done essentially nothing at the, football, at the football club. And yeah. three managers have been there and said, "No, I'm not going to play. Can't play this guy." So that yeah. tells me that's a that's a that's a bad signing. The window when they lost Grealish and they signed Ings, Bailey, and Buendia. Yeah. Now Bailey and Buendia and Ings did. To be fair, they've all done positive things for the football club at times. But probably that window will go down as. Not a success, not not a good recovery process in in losing Jack Grealish. If you look at West Ham, have lost Declan Rice, and so far it looks like what they've done to replace him, they actually look a better team. Villa mm. lost Grealish yeah. Yeah. and didn't didn't look a better team with the players that they bought in. Yeah, and, and again, look, I think it's really tough. Langer's actually going into a, a club trying to replace Harry Kane, isn't he? As well, so yeah, he's got not done got, a bad job of that so far. Got a, he's got experience of that, but. Um, yeah, I think it's really, I think it's really difficult for a club to to expect to lose their best player and then become better. You know, Tottenham are probably <laughs> you don't you didn't nobody expected Tottenham to be better with Harry Kane disappearing. Nobody really expected uh, West Ham to be any better with Declan Rice going, and, and it's still too soon to say yeah, on both of those regards. Um, the early signs are good. The early signs are good, admittedly, yeah. But you know, when Villa lost Grealish, it was pretty inevitable that it was going to be difficult for them to get any better. Um, I do think the one hundred million pound that they spent to replace him didn't have the desired effect. I don't think they, um, I don't think they replaced particularly well. Ings. Yeah, he came in and he was Villa's top scorer and he scored some decent goals and important goals. <clears throat> and to be fair to Villa, they did recoup a decent amount of money back, yeah. um, which was one probably one of the best sales that that you know that previous um, regime did. You know, to get twelve million pound rising to fifteen million pound from West Ham was very was a very good return. But at the point where he was signed, you just needed a little bit more, I think, to to try and help replace Grealish, but. Um, wasn't quite there. I think Bailey has had two disappointing seasons, but he's starting to show decent signs this year and has scored a couple of you know good goals and important goals already. Um, and Buendia is obviously out for the out for the season and um, isn't you know, hasn't really had the effect or hasn't really had the impact that that people would have hoped. Although he does seem to be a firm fans' favourite, doesn't he? You know, Villa yeah. fans really seem if to got, If you've got a good song, it. it's half a battle and Villa don't have many good songs for their players and we'll just their songs <laughs> yeah. are semi-decent ones. I think that's half the battle. One thing that's always baffled me about that window, and I can't believe I didn't pick up on it at the time when this was happening. And, you know, we've, to be fair, we've both 
been complimentary of, of Langa so far. So this is going to be a little bit of a criticism from me, but I think it's important to look at both sides. We've said about the data, all that stuff that he's changing, that's so good now, so important for Villa. <coughs> Villa signed three players to replace someone that was playing on the left-hand side, of, of <laughs> on the left wing. None of them played in that, in that <laughs> position. So Villa, Villa are never, they were never actually going to be able to replace Grealish because they didn't sign anyone who could play on in that position. Bailey's best work had come from the right. Ings was a central striker. And I think Buendia's best work had come from the right as well. And he's probably a probably a number 10. So actually, you know, Villa, Villa tried to replace Jack Grealish but didn't sign anyone that played in Jack Grealish's position. So I think that probably needs investigating. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a good point. I think... <coughs> Excuse me. Villa just thought at that point collectively that if they were getting three players like that in, their collective attributes would help replace Grealish. <clears throat> it just wasn't to be. But no, it is, it is a very good point. And there were there were other players that were looked at, obviously, at that point. You know, Moussa Diaby was actually considered at that point, but he was going to be too expensive. Um, Zaha was the one at that Zaha point. Was, yeah, that Zaha was, was it, put to Villa. But, he you know, could they, replace Grealish. Zaha was put to Villa, but they weren't interested. It was all... <clears throat> It was all the all the eggs in the Bailey basket at that point. They really, they really, really fancied him and thought he would come in and do the job. So, uh, <clears throat> and then, there's, then there's the Gerard windows where we obviously covered Carlos and Kamara. Who I, I was really impressed with Carlos at the weekend. Actually, I just hope he can stay fit, improve his durability. Now for for the club, Coutinho. I mean, again, everyone will associate that with Gerard. In fairness, rather than Langer, but Coutinho, Luca Dean, Olsen, and. Uh, Chambers, Chambers. <clears throat> I mean, on a free, you know, so a low yeah. risk signing on a, on a free in, in fairness, Chambers. But again, like, like, so with Coutinho, for example, how much will Langer have had to do with that? Would he have had to have looked, gone back and looked at data around that of why it was a good sign, or was that just purely Steven Gerrard wants him? Purely Gerrard, purely okay. Gerrard. You said and, earlier that everyone has to sign it off. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, basically, what typically what tends to happen is um, when a new manager comes in. They will often be told, are there any players that, you know, you particularly want, you know, during the recruitment and, and interview process, it will be a case of which players do you think are are performing quite well at, say, under 21 level at the moment? Which players do you think are, uh, are performing well at under 18 level? Um, give me 10 players from France who you think are performing well, 10 players from Spain, etc. And they'll go through players like that. So Langer... And Christian Perslow did the initial interviews with with Stephen Gerrard. Langer did extensive interviews um, to find out what he what he wanted to do when he came to Villa. Um, was really impressed with the the, the playing style preparate, uh, presentation that he'd done. Um, and I do think at the time there the, the was going to be a Premier League team that were going to take on Stephen Gerrard. So at the time, Villa. It was worth a gamble, I think. It was worth a try because the, the, the was a Premier League team was going to hire Steven Gerrard. I like to be fair to him. I liked what he did in the first six games. I thought, you know, it was it was go, it was going a Premier League team would have taken him on. Um, he interviewed well. His presentation was you know was excellent. Um, did you think Mick Bale did his presentation for him? <laughs> he certainly helped. <laughs> and and uh, so yeah, just 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 to go back to players, you know. Typically, sporting directors will ask managers <clears throat> about players who they think um, are performing well at certain countries at certain levels. And then inevitably, it will be a case of if you could sign players for Villa, who would you bring in? And Coutinho was a player that you know was discussed pretty quickly. It was very, very clear that Coutinho would not have joined Aston Villa if Steven Gerrard was not around. We've, we've gone through that previously and, and talked about that. 
Um, but then, it, you know, it was down to more, it was more down to Perslow at, at that time to really negotiate and, and get the right deal for Villa. And to be fair, the, you know, at the time, the money didn't seem too bad. It turned out to be a really expensive mistake. But um, no, it, it wasn't something that, that Langer was looking. Coutinho wasn't a guy that was flagged up through their data analysis, shall we no. say. <laughs> no. well, so overall then, Johan Langer, success, you're saying. I, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah, I think he was. Uh, I think he was. I think, yeah, an, an outstanding success because look at where Villa were at that point. You know, there was, they there was so much work that needed to be done behind the scenes. I think Christian Perslow and Johan Langer have, have both done really, really impressive things and really good things for the club. And and in time, there will be certain elements that 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 Villa miss from those two. Um, you know, they are moving on up now. There's a different structure. Football changes all the time. You know, positions change behind the scenes. And look, this is very much Emery's group now. And, and Emery and Vidagani and Monchi and the way they're moving things forward. But I think what the previous guys have done have helped really build strong foundations yeah. for Villa and they can kick on from here. Yeah, I mean, I've got my own thoughts on Perslow, but I can't dispute that he did a lot of good for the football club. I would, ne- I would never dispute that. And Langer, from the stuff we've discussed today, it's it's, it's the same. And I wish him really well at, at Tottenham Hotspur. And I'm going to actually be really interested to see the kind of players that they sign and and how how he gets on there. So I imagine some Spurs fans in might end up watching this, so they could, they'll probably be quite encouraged by by what we've discussed in this podcast. I have a quick word about Ollie Watkins and Esri Concert, but before we do that, let's just hear again from our sponsors, NordVPN. If you guys are getting fed up with missing live football, then our new show sponsor, NordVPN, might be able to help you out. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile, and smart TV. If you want to watch, let's say, some U.S. content, it allows you to appear like you're in that country. And while you're connected, no one can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. The service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty dab handy. A part of NordVPN supporting 1874, the Aston Villa channel, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free, which also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to www.1874.io forward slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details will also be in the description. And as always, we are truly grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight. But if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help us to keep the channel running. Well, and Greg, so we, we've been speculating about it since probably April, but Ollie Watkins signed his five-year contract finally last week. How do you feel about that getting done? Yeah, pleased to Villa, pleased for, for, pleased for Watkins as well. You know, everybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I'm I'm a big fan of Watkins and that I like him as a person as well. So, yeah, good good for him that he's got his future secured. Um and, and exciting times for Villa. I think he's gonna be a big part of Villa moving forward as well. Um yeah, good timing on the back of a hat trick, wasn't it? Yeah, and in back in the England <laughs> squad. Yeah. As well. Do you think if he hadn't scored that hat trick, he'd still be in the England squad? Callum, Callum Wilson is not in the squad, is he? Because he's been carrying a carrying That's right, injury. Yeah. So a couple so, of things so, okay. have probably helped to I get think, one, I think I think look he hadn't scored. He'd only scored one goal, hadn't he, up until that point in the season in in the Premier League. But I think what really helped was the fact that Southgate was at the Brighton game, um, and he absolutely bossed it, didn't he, Watkins? Mm. So he's such a good player. 
such yeah, a Yeah, you know, I've, I've never never doubted it. I think the criticism towards him from some sections of supporters is ridiculous because right. his, his, goal, his goal record and his contribution to the team backs up his importance. Yeah, he's, he gets assists as well, another assist at the weekend. So even when he's not in the goals, he's, he, he's, you know, he's getting a goal contribution. I think Ollie Watkins, I still think, and I would die on this hill, Villa can't get a better striker in than him, in my opinion, and they won't get a better striker in than him at the moment for where the club is. So everyone just needs to continue to back Ollie Watkins. In the main, he does get the back. I think people have started to, to wise up and realise now what a, what a good striker is, but there's still always those element of people that come out on social media and say, we need a better striker. There isn't one. That's my opinion, and I would die on that hill. That's what I mean. I mean, I mean, if you, we don't have to go for every single player in the Premier League, but like you could name probably on one hand the amount of strikers that are better than Watkins, and Villa aren't going to be able to go and sign them. I mean, Harlan hasn't scored for, recently for, 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 for a few games. He's only eighty-eight now, Harlan, but he gets a hell of a lot of chances for, for Manchester City. Every striker misses chances. Ollie Watkins is no different. He's missed one at the weekend, but still, overall, what he offers that team, Villa cannot get. A better no. striker than him, and I will. Start, I will die tomorrow, and you can put that on my on my tombstone because I, I genuinely just I've been saying that for a, well over a year now. Villa cannot get a better striker in than, than Ollie Watkins, and I absolutely love him to bits. I think he's such a good player, and I'm glad he's staying on for for another five years. And I spoke to Jacob when I did a show with Jacob about about Esri concert because you know he's someone who hasn't watched Villa week in week out, and he said he was surprised at how good Esri concert is. Yeah. There's six centre backs in that England squad. How is Ezri Conson not one of them? Yeah, I mean, it's stupid now, isn't it? Like, I'm, I'm trying not to, try not to criticise Harry Maguire anymore. But how he's ahead of him, you know, he's just got an assist the week and didn't he, Maguire cheeky assist for Tommy in one of the most desperate performances I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, we, we've spoke about Conza before in, in, in de- at length and in detail, and what he's doing for Villa now. He should be getting recognised and and being in the England squad. You know, he's he's the way he can progressively play out from the back is what England would like to do. Um, I think if he can, if he could be in that England team um, with the better quality players in front of him, um, then then he can shine just as much as he does for Villa. You know, he's great on the cover, he's quick, good in the air. Um, a threat from set pieces. Covers right back as well, which is Southgate. Yeah, you know, he's versatile. He's able to take on new tactical instructions from a real detailed and intense manager. Um, yeah, you know, he ticks all the boxes. I, I mean, no disrespect, show, to, he does. no disrespect to Lewis Dunk, but I watched him got absolutely run ragged at Villa Park. I don't think he's got any business being ahead of Esri Concer in the, in the England pecking order. Gay plays left centre-back, I can... I can get, I can understand that. I maybe always thought the reason that he didn't get called up concert was because of Mings being the more dominant of the mm. two, and Mings being left-footed, and he was never going to pick both of Villa's centre backs. I kind of, kind of felt that way. But there's de- after John Stones, right centre back. I'm not seeing anyone else who I think is better suited to, to play. I'm not saying he should be in the England team, but when John Stones isn't there as a right centre back, and I'm not saying his reconstance is as good as John Stones either. He's probably the he's the natural. Next best, I would say, should be in the best four centre backs in an England squad, in my opinion. Look, he's, he's worth a look, isn't he? If you, he, he deserves to be, he deserves to be in the squad for the for the coaches and the manager to have a proper look at him and see whether, and, and even given a go to see whether he can um, perform, you know, under the pressure. Because Mings had a go and Mings did it. I think Conza deserves it too. 
Maybe Tamori's ahead of him. Maybe Tamori wasn't there again. But I mean, you don't need six centre backs in an England squad for a start. I don't. I don't see. I, I don't see enough of AC Milan to no. know whether Tamori's playing brilliantly or whether he's in great form. So I just haven't watched enough of them. But um, I, I, I admire players that will go and play in, in a different country like that and, and try and settle in. And I think that helps um, the England national team when it comes to big big tournaments because they can be thrown in and they're used to playing in different environments against different um, nationalities and opposition, whatever, however you want to call it, you know, look at it. I admire that. I just haven't seen enough of Tomori to know whether he's playing better than Konza at the moment. The annoying thing is, I think, <clears throat> him not being in the squad this time around when he's on top four with the with the Euros coming in the summer and we know how Southgate puts a lot of credence on players that have been around the camp before these times. That's probably, unless there's a massive injury crisis at centre-back. That's him not going to the Euros, I would say. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, you've got to come in and, and I mean, Madison did it, didn't he? But had Madison had a, had he been in the setup before in the squad last? squad before, before, but he'd, never, last, he'd yeah. never really played. But. So the, the, I mean, there is a chance. It's just, <sighs> you, you don't, I don't know what more he can really do. You know, he can't so. do anymore. That's literally the literally thing. He cannot do anymore to get to get in that squad. I thought he had a ropey start to the season, a ropey back end to the, to the season before under Steven Gerrard, but then he really settled himself and just got back to, to his best. And him and Mings were obviously a brilliant partnership at the, at the at, at centre-half of Villa. But him and Torres are making a, a decent fist of being a partnership as well. He played right back on on Sunday, played, played well there. You know, He is one of Villa's best players and... Villa have had one of the best defences in the Premier League over the last 12 months. So I'm not sure what more he could have done. And as I say, I don't think he actually could have done anything. Could he change allegiances? Is that something you you know anything about? I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, he, yeah. Look, he, Portugal. He's, he's eligible to, to represent Angola and, 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 Portugal. and Portugal. So... Um, but where, where he's at in 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 in, in his thinking, I don't know. Uh, but he's could, eligible could, to play yeah. both, yeah. Because that's what Matty Cash had to do. He kind of got in his head he wasn't going to play for England, which is probably wise because there is a lot of right-backs <laughs> yeah. in England. But Fraser Constantly probably still thinks he can make it and maybe Southgate won't be there after the Euro, so perhaps he'd leave it in, in, until then. But if he declared for Portugal, I'm relatively confident looking at their centre-back options that they'd call him up. I mean, Pepe's still <laughs> knocking, knocking around for Portugal. I think Jose Font was in the in the last squad as well. So, you know, if Conte was to declare for Portugal, who were a very good team and got some very good players, he would get called up. Yeah, we, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see on that one. But he, I, I, from from my understanding, it feels like you know he, he's he's English, isn't he? Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Matty Cash is English, though. Yeah, but he's playing for Poland. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's the same, isn't it? But yeah, that does us for this week's podcast. Really enjoyed that, Greg. So thank, thank you very much. It's your idea to, to do a pod on on Langer, and I think, it, I think it worked well. I think people will will enjoy that, and maybe it's changed some people's minds about about their what they thought of his time at Aston Villa. And as I say, maybe some Spurs fans have come across this as well and want to learn a bit more about how Langer operated at Villa. So yeah, I've really really enjoyed that. Thank you very much, Greg. And again, congratulations on becoming a father to a little golfer. No shows for the rest of the week, obviously, because it's international break, but we'll be back next week with all the usual jazz that we do on the channel leading up to a game. And Greg and myself will come back next week and do another hour with you as well. So all that's left to say is subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on. Give the video a like if you're watching on YouTube and leave us a comment as well with how you feel Langer's time Aston Villa went. Wherever you are taking in this podcast, if you could subscribe, like, do all the nice things, give five stars, do all the nice things that you can you can do for us, that would really help us and we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, have a good rest of the week and have a good Villa-free weekend up the Villa.
Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.